You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So we're talking about not becoming easy prey for the devil in general. That's what we're talking about. And last week I started talking to you about ways that we, um, if we're careless with the meditation of our heart and the words of our mouth, we can really set traps ahead of ourselves. We can set uh, a a destructive environment or we can set a very life-filled environment either way. Uh, with the words that we speak. And it is in particular the words that come out of the fullness of our hearts, the things that are really lodged down in our hearts. But I wanted to say to you this morning, just this whole idea of not being easy prey, the, the phrase came to me as I was thinking about this this week, that, that we're not rabbits. You know, that there are, there are, in my opinion, certain creatures that God created to be food. For other creatures. Maybe it wasn't that way in the garden. But when you look at, uh, there are a number of them, but when you look at rabbits, you know, they're, uh, and I know we all love little bunnies, you know, we, we just, oh, they're wonderful. But, you know, they have about two, de- two dozen kids every four to six weeks or something like that. I don't know what the actual uh, term is. But I mean, they, uh, the population is amazing. They're very cute, not real bright. They're, they're easy prey, and every, everybody loves them. I mean, we love them, if you've ever eaten a rabbit. Uh, you know, the coyotes love them, the foxes love them, the hawks love them, the eagles love them. Everybody loves rabbits. They're made to be prey. They are prey, okay? That's not you. That's not what God designed you to be as the bottom of the food chain for the devil, okay? That is not your position in life. It is not what he has called us to. And so I just encourage you to take that mindset. You are not out there to be fodder for every, and, and in the context of the words of our mouth and the words that we're taking into our hearts, you're not out there to be everybody's trash can for their words, their opinions, their heart issues. That's, that's not who you are. And it's very important for us to learn the power of words and to learn. Uh, and, and let me just remind you of a couple of things. Yeah, you can, did I tell you to go to Ephesians 4? Uh, well, you can go to Ephesians 4. Uh, but, but while you do that, I just want to remind you, last week we talked about the fact that words carry spiritual realities. I don't know a better way of it uh, to say it than that. And they release them into the physical world. Okay. They, they transfer spi- uh, spiritual realities from the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm into the earthly realm. And we see that just one example we looked at uh, was where uh, Jesus was on the boat in the middle of the storm and he was asleep and the disciples were freaking out and in fear and they woke him up and all he, he just with his words released what was already in his heart. He just said, peace. He said, he actually said, silence, be muzzled. And the storm stopped. But he didn't pray a big long prayer to the father asking the father to intervene and, and how afraid we all are and, and please come and do something. He didn't do that. He just released what was on the inside of him. And, and he did that 
through his words. We can see in the scripture that God created everything with his words and he created us in his image and assigned us to establish his kingdom on the earth. And he assigned us to be his children and live in relationship with him. And through our lives, our relationship with him, and then carrying his presence and his words in us out into our actual word world and releasing all of that through our words, through our actions, through all of that. But releasing that, he's actually assigned us to be undoing the destruction that sin has released in the earth. That was Jesus' assignment, and it's our assignment. Our words are a part of that. We said last week that words are not magic. I I don't believe that we can just come up with anything that we want to come up with apart from God's input and God's desires and just come up with anything we want, say it enough times, and it'll come to pass. That's not the message of the scripture about our words, but the scripture is very, very strong on the power of our words. I think a lot of times we think that the only power that our words have are, are in a, in, to convince someone of something, for them to buy into our idea. And certainly words do have that power, but you have to understand that they also carry, you know, again, what I'm calling spiritual realities, they can release fear, they can release faith, they can release love, they can release hatred, they can release anger, they can release peace, they can release joy, they can create an atmosphere in a home or in another person. There's, there's something more to your words, and that's because you're created in God's image. There's something more than just their convincing power. They do have we have conversation, we exchange ideas, and we can, we can intellectually realize that, hey, I, I believe that, or, you know, we can accept an idea. But there's more to it than that. And particularly today, we're going to start talking about just our everyday words. The everyday, the things that we are speaking over our bodies, over our minds, over our children, over our household, over our community, you know, over our nation, uh, what, what current are we taking in and releasing into those areas? Annie alluded to this during the offering. We can get really upset about the environment around us, and yet all we do is talk about how upset we are about the environment around us and how bad it is. That's essentially using your words to curse the environment or your kids or your spouse or whoever it is. Jesus, I don't really have time for this, but I guess God thinks I do. Uh, This just comes up right now. So in uh, Mark chapter 11, Jesus came along, and he and the disciples, and they came along and they saw a fig tree, right? And he wanted to, it says that he went over to see if there were any figs on it, knowing that it was out of season. There, There weren't, I don't think he, I don't think he was confused about the season or confused about whether there were going to be figs on that tree, personally. I think he did all of this to demonstrate a couple of points. So he walks up to a fig tree. It'd be like going up to an apple tree. I don't know what the time frame was, but let's just say it'd be like walking up to an apple tree in May looking for apples. Well, they aren't going to be there in May. They're not going to be there until the fall, right? So it was that kind of thing. It was out of season. So the first lesson there is that Jesus looks for fruit in times and places where it's naturally impossible for there to be fruit. And that's a whole other subject that we could really delve into sometime. But he is, he is perfectly confident that, he can, that the 
fruit can be produced in places where you and I would say that's totally impossible. So that's one whole thing. But then his response, I don't think he got mad at the tree. Okay, I don't think Jesus threw a little temper tantrum and cursed this tree. I think he was demonstrating a spiritual reality for his disciples. And, and so he did. He spoke to the tree. And he said, nobody's ever going to eat fruit from you again. That's what he said. And they left. And the, and the next morning, they go by the same tree. And you know the story. It was dead. It was not only dead. I mean, it wasn't just the leaves had fallen off or it was looking a little bad. You know, or one branch had some yellow leaves. It was dead. And, they, and, and Bible scholars say the disciples actually dug around the thing because they knew it was dried up from the roots. The roots were dead. All because Jesus released those words. And he took that illustration, that opportunity, and he told them, look, if you, if any of you tell this mountain, which mountains often in the scripture represent big obstacles, right? Immovable obstacles. If you say, say to this mountain, be removed and be thrown into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart, if you believe in your heart and don't doubt at all, and he uses these two different terms there, he says, it will be done for you. So again, and he teaches them about prayer, and then he teaches them about, but you got to forgive people to, to live in powerful prayer. And it's a wonderful passage, and I'm not doing it justice this morning, but I just, the terminology there was, Jesus just said to the tree, nobody's going to eat fruit from you ever again. That was called cursing. He released defeat, death, uh, impotence into that tree through his words. So when we use our words to just in such a negative fashion and to predict negative things and just point out the negative, the death, what the devil has done in somebody's life, and that's how we use our words, we are contributing to their downfall. So I just want, I want you to get that. Jesus said that what's in abundance in our hearts, we looked at this last week, I'd really encourage you to get last week's teaching, what's in abundance in our hearts will come out of our mouths. And I believe those are the words that really have the power. I mean, we can say a lot of things that we don't believe or have no real uh, anchor in our own hearts or not. We can, we can disguise ourselves, Proverbs says, with our lips. And, and we can do that, but it's those things that come out of the heart, out of that abundance in your heart. Those things that are really lodged in your heart. Those things that you really deeply feel and believe. Those are the things that come out with power. He said, the good man out of the good treasure stored up in his heart will fling forth good things. And the evil man out of the evil treasure stored up in his heart will fling forth evil things. I, I just, I really want you to get that our words matter. They really matter. And, and let's look at this verse. Did you find Ephesians chapter four? Let's look at verse uh, 29. I'm gonna read it to you from the Amplified Bible. Verse 29, this is, Paul writing, of course, and from the Amplified, it says it this way. It says, let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only, but 
only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. That's pretty cool. As is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. And it goes right on, starts talking about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, down in verse 31, it talks about let all bitterness and, and indignation and wrath and resentment and anger and quarreling and all that stuff be, be banished from you. So, so again, in this whole passage, he talks about what's building up in our hearts and what are we releasing. But that word that's used there in the King James, I think it says corrupt speech or corrupt language, corrupt words. It's a Greek word that means bad, rotten, or putrid. Okay, something that is rotten. We all know what, in fact, here we're coming up. I love this time of year because we're coming up to the time of year where I can make this illustration and it always blesses everybody. Pretty soon, the deer that have died through the winter in our ditches, it's going to get warm. And if you're out there and you're riding a bicycle or a motorcycle or running or walking, there's going to be an odor, okay, to those rotting deer in the ditches. It's wonderful. That is the exact idea in this word about corrupt language, that in God's nostrils, it's something rotten. We also all, all know that there is poison, whether it's rotting fruit or it's rotting uh, fish or it's rotting animals or whatever. There's poison, there's stuff released, there's bacteria released that is negative. So the idea is our corrupt words can have an impact on the environment around us, but it stinks in God's nostrils. And we're going to talk about what this, what this means today, but um, the, the synonyms to this word that's used here just mean bad. They mean, see if, see if any of this speaks to some of our speech sometimes, malevolent, okay? Base, shameful, filthy. I like this, without honor is a synonym of this. Just saying things where we come down from a place of honor. We come down from kingdom thinking. We come down to a place, and again, I have to include the words of our mouth and the words of our fingers on our keyboards, okay? Because we're putting stuff out to people that way so much now. When we leave honor and we lower ourselves and debase ourselves on, on what we're spreading around, that's, that's what the scripture is telling us. Let no speech that doesn't hold honor come out of your mouth. If it's deceitful, if it's foul, if it's corrupt, if it's uncomely, unclean, impure, profane, unholy, dirty, obscure, dark, spotted, okay? And it's saying instead, let speech, and in order to do that, it has to be in your heart, let speech come out of our mouths that is for, it will, it will bring spiritual progress to people. It will bring spiritual progress to people. Okay, and lest you think that I am getting down on you about your words, oh no, no. This has really been speaking to me, okay, about not only the things I say, things that I write. I'm, I'm trying, especially in this environment, it's very difficult. And again, I, I always come back to the social media thing, the political environment. It's really hard to minister to one group of people without getting 
angry at people who maybe abuse that group of people. It's really hard to grab hold of an idea and stand for it without getting angry at the people who disagree with you. And we've got to be able to, as Christians, we're supposed to be able to do that. It's, it's, it's very hard to minister uh, to an economic strata, minister to the poor without getting angry at the rich. It's very hard to minister to the rich without uh, getting upset with people who don't want to work. It's very hard. We've got to be able to figure out how to do this as Christians. The world can do whatever they want to do, but as Christians, we, we cannot just be flowing in the level that the world's dialogue is flowing in. It's corrupt. Can you agree whether you like it or not? Okay. This is, uh, to me, I, I know some of this this morning is going to be very challenging for us, but it's the truth. It's the truth. And if we want to live the life that God has for us, we've got to figure some of this stuff out. And it's not easy. It's not easy to figure out how to, we don't, we don't need to just be silent, but boy, we've got to think about what is the underlying spiritual heart of what I am putting out as I put it out? How can we make our case when we need to make our case without releasing anger and bitterness? And here's the other thing. I'm getting way ahead of myself in my notes. But here's the other thing. When we, what we take in is so important in this, whether we're talking about conversations with each other, certainly uh, when we watch the news or we read the news or that kind of thing, a lot of what's being put out there, whether it is factual or not, is up for grabs a lot of times, but it's put out out of someone's agenda, someone's bitterness many times, many times out of someone's fear, because those things sell. If we can, if, if, uh, if our, our news media can get us angry or frightened, then we'll just consume their news. And, and that gets in our hearts because we're feeding on somebody else's deception or bitterness or anger or, or fear. I mean, I think fear is a huge, um, what I want to say, commodity product you know, that, that we're dealing with now. So we've really got to think about who we're listening to and how we are listening to it. So let's, let's get into some of that because I have some practical things for you. Just a reminder, again, we looked at this last week. I'm not going to spend any time on it, but Proverbs 18:21, huge verse, says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for life or for death. That, uh, well, the Passion Translation, I think, just really hits it. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. The talkative person, the person who just talks and talks and talks without thinking, okay, will reap the consequences of the things that they're saying. So, so our words are powerful. We looked last week at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14. says, from the fruit of a man's lips, he is filled with good things as surely as the work of his hands rewards him. What we're saying is building or tearing down as surely as what we're doing, okay? We just can't see it. So we don't often believe it, but that's what the scripture says. It's what it tells us, okay? So let's go over to uh, Psalm 141. Go to Psalm 141 with me, verse three. Let's, let's get practical with this and, 
and talk about how can we guard, how can we take control of our tongues? How can we guard the words that are coming out of our mouths? Given that we see all this evidence that the words of our mouth are so powerful and so important. You know, the scripture, another uh, Proverbs 6.2, uh, it's talking about a situation where somebody um, became a co-signer on a loan that got them in trouble. But, but the, the phrase that's in there is that you were, in doing that, you were snared by the words of your mouth. Your, your words, your agreement to something went out there and actually set a trap in life out in front of you from what you said. Um, there's another verse, I'd have to, I don't have time to, I can't be digging around looking it up. There's another verse in Proverbs that talks about uh, how, how our, it talks about the, the words of the wicked. It says, go out in front of them. I'll have to pull this up and, and bring it to you, but go out in front of them and set a trap before them. So, and again, this can work for good or for evil, right? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. But we want to be laying, we want to be laying something that we want to be trapped in out in front of us, not something we don't. We want to be blessing and not cursing. We want to be speaking life over the people around us. I mean, when you think about this, when you just think about this truth, and then we think about some of the things we say, maybe about our employer, or you know, somebody who has power in in your life. And then we say all these terrible negative things about them. Those words are prophetic. I mean, it's, you know, and then, and then we're really unhappy with our employment situation. And we, I'm not saying it's all our fault, but we're contributing to it. We're agreeing with it. Whereas we could be speaking blessing into that situation. You know what? And the same thing with our, our government situation. You, uh, you guys, I know we have people here on both sides of the aisle. Both of you aren't happy with the situation as it is. The, the issue is, what do we want? And, and when we have somebody in office, the office was called of God. The office, authority itself, and offices of authority in the earth, that is a God idea. He gave it to us. That's why we're told to pray for those who are in authority over us. We're told to pray for them. And, but at the, at the same time, sometimes we see people who are really ungodly, holding offices and doing ungodly things, then we need to pray them out. But there's still a way of doing that. My first prayer is that that person would get saved, have an encounter with Jesus Christ, be transformed in heart, make all of his... Uh, his cronies really mad and turn his life around, his, his or her life around and begin to do it differently. That's the first thing. I want them to be saved because you know what? All this junk is going away, but eternity is eternity. That's, if that's not your first priority, you need to get with Jesus because it is his first priority. Beyond that, we need to be speaking blessing over our nation. We need to be speaking life over our nation and not get pulled down into the discourse. Okay, Psalm 141. Hope you found it. All right, Psalm 141, verses 3 and 4. This is, again, from the Amplified Bible. It says, set a guard, O Lord. So this is a prayer that he's praying. Set a guard, O Lord, before, notice that, before my mouth, keep watch at the door of my lips. 
incline my heart not to submit or consent to any evil thing or to be occupied in deeds of wickedness with men who work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. Now there's a phrase we use every, every day, eat of their dainties, you know. Uh, but, but here's what that means. There's two ideas given to us right away. One is set a filter, Lord, set a filter in front of my mouth. Okay, from the other verses that we've looked at, what's in front of your mouth is, is uh, we're talking about input. We're talking about the inflow. We want to screen the inflow. We want to screen what we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we're reading. We want to screen what's going into our hearts before it comes, builds up and then comes out of our mouth. So we want that we're asking the Lord uh, that we're, and we're, we're, I think we need to dedicate ourselves to it, Lord. I will think about the inflow. I will think about this. And, and then secondly, it tells us to set a filter at the exit door. Put, put, uh, put a watch at the door of my lips. Okay, what's coming out? So we're supposed to think about both. It's okay to put a filter at the outflow. And every once in a while, tear that filter apart and see what's in there. You know, see what's in there. You know, sometimes, well, you probably don't, but sometimes it's good to cut an oil filter apart in your car and see what's in there, you know. If there are chunks of metal this big in there, it's probably a bad sign. Uh, but, but anyway, it's, it's good to have that filter on the out. And what does that mean? That means I'm asking the Holy Spirit, and I do this frequently, Lord, let me hear the words that are coming out of my mouth, okay? Because Karen's not always there to hear them for me, okay? She's a great help, but she's not always there to hear them for me. So Lord, let, me, let them ring in my ears. And he'll do that. You know, you'll hear yourself and you'll realize, oh man. And you might not know what you should have said, but you can pray about that. You can say, Lord, how should I be addressing this situation? Because I want to be giving life. I want to be releasing life. But, and so that's fine to put a, put a watch over my mouth. That's how we usually think of it. But better yet is guard what's coming in. Think about the inflow and, and the source. So it, we, we want to examine. It's kind of like sometimes I, I examine, okay, so words came out that shouldn't have come out. And I'm not just talking about cussing or something. Honestly, I think that's some of the least of it, uh, of what we're talking about here. We're talking about negative, garbage, rotten words that are coming out about whatever situation and that are not kingdom-oriented. They're not speaking truth. Remember last week we talked about there's a difference between facts and truth. You know, I mean, there are facts, there are natural facts that are going on, but that doesn't mean it's truth. It doesn't mean it's what God has said. So, so it's fine. But when I hear those, I want, and if I find that, okay, there's contamination in what's coming out of my mouth, then I want to find out what is the source? Where is that coming from? And sometimes the Lord has to take us back to how we were raised. Sometimes he has to take us back to a family Deal. We had a lot of this, especially early on, where our family culture was not, they weren't evil people on either side, thank God. We were blessed to grow up in good families and they were honest and all that, but they weren't biblical people. And so a lot of the beliefs and the methods and the discussions and stuff, they didn't line up with the best that God would have for us. So the Lord would have to, we'd have to hear something and, and realize something and realize, well, where did that come from? Oh, it came from, this is how I grew up and this is what we did. 
you know, uh, we, we didn't forgive people quickly enough or we didn't, uh, we, we have, were poverty minded, you know, whatever it might be. And so you examine for that contamination, but then you want to find the source. So you look at that and ask yourself, what are you looking at? What kind, what is the message in the music that you're listening to? Music is a creation of God that is designed to carry thoughts and impact our hearts. It goes beyond. That's why it's so powerful in worship. Because it goes beyond. It touches the emotions. It carries things on the inside. If you're listening to junky music all the time with negative stuff uh, about life and about your spouse and about your four girlfriends and about all that stuff, that stuff is going in your, oh no, that doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. It does. If that's what you're putting in, that will build up in, in your heart, like it or not. Online content, TV, movies, you know, conversation, extended family, friends. What are the discussions that I'm having? Where is this? What I'm hearing coming out of my mouth is not the Holy Spirit. So where is it getting in? And then you're going to have to make some hard decisions. You're going to have to decide, does this matter enough to you to change those things or does it not? Okay, And if it doesn't, then you're going to stay in the same place. If you're not willing to repent and change. Is this nice? Are you guys having fun? This is Sunday morning. We're just joyous. Um, God will help you change this stuff. But if you keep giving yourself to that same flow, then that's what's going to come out. And you will affect people around you that you actually really care about. And you don't want to affect in a negative way. But uh, if that's what you're putting in your heart, it's still going to happen. So that word guard, he says guard, it means a state of careful observation and watchfulness. A state of careful observation and watchfulness, a protective and preventative measure. We want to put that guard over what's coming in and what's coming out, okay? And again, it's really difficult in our culture to be involved, which we need to be, okay? And, and to be informed about what's going on without picking up negative spiritual attitudes. I think I said this to you a couple of weeks ago. I heard this quote and I thought it was great. Um, as far as our, especially where our politics goes and all that kind of thing, where, you know, we should have an opinion, we should have a voice, but honestly, the devil doesn't care what your conviction in that area is, as long as, listen to me, as long as he can get you to leave the character of Christ to defend your position. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or a socialist or a communist or whatever, as long because he knows all that's going away, as long as he can get you to leave the character and nature of God in order to defend your position. And that speaks to any of our social positions, any of that stuff. And this is what makes it so hard because we're passionate about it. And it's not wrong to be passionate about it. A lot of how we put it out there is wrong. So I don't know. We just all have to deal with it. We just all have to deal with it. If you don't want the devil to just, if you don't want to make yourself easy prey, We've got to figure out how to be life-giving with our words. So that verse goes on and it says, Incline my heart not to submit or consent to any evil thing. Okay, so we know we're not supposed to be involved in sin. We get that. All right. We, we can figure that out. Or to be occupied in the deeds of wickedness. That means 
the deeds that are out there, the, the things, the, the cultural things, whatever, that, that are wickedness, that I consider to be wickedness, are taking up all of my time and thinking and brain space. I am occupied in the deeds of wickedness. I am giving myself and so much of my attention and so much of my time to that negative flow that's out there that it is contaminating my heart with fear or with deception or with anger, all the things that we talked about because I'm just out there. And even though, see, here's the, there's, here's the deal. I feel like the Lord gave me this. There's, there's a huge difference between righteous indignation about things that are wrong and unjust in the earth. We see righteous indignation in the scriptures. There's a huge difference between that and self-righteous indignation. There's a huge difference between the two. One is really occupied with bringing life and, and changing some things that are wrong. The other one is just, I'm, I'm stuck on my point and I, I am going to, no matter what I have to do, I'm going to force my point uh, to, other, to other people. So it's just, um, let's see, here's another one. Psalm 39, verse 1. It says, I said, I will take heed and guard my ways that I may sin not with my tongue. I will, listen to this, I will muzzle my mouth as with a bridle while the wicked are before me. While the wicked are before me. So when we are involved with things that we really feel are wrong, we need to be really careful about what we're saying and how we're saying it. But we, we don't want to just be so occupied that we pick up ungodly methods and and spiritual realities and that kind of thing and carry them around with us and just again just get in that flow of what's going on out there does that make sense to you so and then we have this great phrase let me not eat of their dainties okay dainties as you've probably figured out okay it's something tasty it's something delicious it's something enticing I think that's the key word there. Something that is being said that entices the mind and the flesh to partake of it. Okay, something delicious, something enticing, something that's being said that entices the mind and the flesh to partake of it. Fear, anger, condemnation, gossip, all have that uh, flavor to them. They draw us in. Gossip in particular is something, it's very broad, but it's a way that we get pulled into negative talk and conversations that we have absolutely no business in. This phrase, their dainties, those are words that create an inward pull, either to enter into their sin, okay, that's one thing, or to join in their offense, their outrage, their anger, their discouragement, depression, self-righteousness, fear, hopelessness, whatever it might be, to get pulled into that flow, which I think is actually the more... Most of us know not to get pulled into sin, but we don't always know not to get pulled into that negative flow that's out there. So let's talk about this a little bit, just the few minutes that we have left. Let's talk about this idea of gossip, okay? So I can really meddle in your life, okay, at this point. Y'all doing Okay. Aren't you glad you came to church today? No? Oh, well. You're here now. Uh, Proverbs, and there's good food out there, so you might as well wait. 
stay, hear it. Uh, then you can go eat some snacks. So many dainties out there. Proverbs 18.8, all right, says the words of a whisperer or a talebearer, this is what the Amplified says, it means a gossip, okay, uh, are as dainty morsels. They go down to the innermost parts of the body. Okay, so that term talebearer just means a gossip. So here's what gossip is, okay? And, and listen, I especially want men to listen because I, we've somehow been trained to think that we're less gossipy than women are. I've been at those tables at the coffee shop with guys in the morning. I, we're absolutely just as gossipy. We just gossip about different things, okay? Uh, but so it says, let's see, I'm trying to think, is there anybody I haven't offended this morning? Oh, darn it. Okay, you're impervious. Well, I'll think about it. See what I can do, Bob. Uh, okay, so gossip. Any discussion about another person or their private affairs where you are not either part of the problem or part of the solution. Okay? If it's their deal, their private affairs, their life, and we're not part of it, we, can, we need to not be discussing it with other people. Any discussion of another person or their private affairs that is based on rumor or conjecture. Okay? Do you know for sure what you're repeating? Or did you just hear it forthhand from somebody else? Okay. Do you know for sure? And when I think about, that's one of the things that I notice on social media, how many times we repeat things that we don't even know are true. They just line up with our bias. So we go ahead and repeat them. And it may be true, may very well be true. But I think whenever we're not, we don't care enough to think about whether something's true or not before we repeat it, I think that we're, we're being, it's demeaning to us. I think we're taking a step down from where God would have us. Any discussion, there's another one, of another person or their private affairs, when they are absent and you wouldn't say the exact same thing if they were present. I've done this to people. I've had people come up and try to get me engaged in some kind of conversation. I said, well, just let's, let's call them and let's all get together. And then we'll, then we'll talk about this. Didn't want to do that. You know, why? Because you wouldn't say the same thing if they weren't there. That makes it gossip. Okay. And it says those words go down to the innermost being. All right. Gossip is enticing. We use words like juicy gossip, delicious gossip. You know, we'll say, did you hear? Or do you know what so-and-so did? Or do you know what I heard? If, if probably any conversation that starts with those words needs to not happen. Can you say amen? Okay. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8 says, Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. That's New Living Translation. Okay, New Living Translation. Here's a good one, Proverbs 16.28. Proverbs 16.28. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Separates close friends. Gossip leads to strife and division because there's a spiritual component to this. It leads to strife and division even if we disguise it as prayer. Okay, Even if we pretend it's prayer, it still has the same spiritual component that it did. Uh, so again, I don't think the devil minds prayers 
uh, even those kinds of, you know, when, when we're pretending we're going to pray for somebody, even, I don't think he minds adding things like in Jesus' name and stuff like that, as long as it's gossip. As long as it's a place we shouldn't be. As long as we're out there spreading a rumor about somebody, I don't think he'll, he'll, he won't fight you on those kind of prayers, okay? You realize I'm being a little sarcastic here, I hope. Okay, so, one more. Proverbs, not just one more verse, but one more section. Proverbs 26.20, get this one, 26.20. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. So we can really feed into a place of strife that would go out if we just minded our own business. If we just stayed out of it, we can feed into that uh, and keep that strife going and keeping that. Strife is spread so many times or, or increased by people who insist on sharing their offense with the wrong people. Getting together, and we've said this many times, Jesus said, when you're offended with somebody, you go right to that person. You don't take anybody else, not first, you don't. And your goal is not to win an argument. Your goal is to re regain the, the relationship. And for both of you to do whatever repenting you need to do, you don't gather a little army first and talk about how bad the situation or the person is. When we do that, we're just feeding right into this. We're just feeding. We're making ourselves easy prey for the devil. We're just increasing strife when we do that. So if our goal really is peace and unity and love, then we need to learn how to pray a situation through and if necessary, go to the person. That's what Jesus said. Go straight to them. Go to that one person. Guard, keep everybody else out of it. You go and you guys get before the Lord and try and work it out. If that doesn't work, then again, not to win an argument, but in order to get the relationship back. The next step is you might take somebody who's in a position to actually help. Not Again, we're not just collecting a little army to prove our point. We're going in there with somebody who could actually act as a mediator. Because again, our goal is to win that person and keep that relationship and keep that bond with them and not let the devil into the middle of it. And I'll just say it this way, since I may not have offended everybody in the room yet. If you don't have the guts to do that, to go to that person on your own and deal with this, then you should keep your mouth shut. You should keep your mouth shut and pray. Because spreading strife, increasing strife, is it, it damages the body of Christ and it's still one of the devil's biggest tools. It's just still one of the devil's biggest tools. So uh, let me give you a couple more and we'll be done. We've got a couple more minutes here. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 21. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. A quarrelsome man. That means a person with a quick temper a person who's given to a negative viewpoint. That's just kind of your tendency in life. And for some of us, we just have to realize that. I look at the negative before I look at the positive. That's something the Lord can change. A quarrelsome person is a person who's quick to find fault, who's argumentative, who just like to have debates and arguments. It's a person who's defiant, a person who's hostile, a person who's touchy. It's being ill-tempered, and impatient. It says that with that person, uh, that, that they increase strife. Okay, so again, we've just got to be really careful about entertaining 
the anger and the bitterness and the fear and those kinds of things that would come into our life. A couple more. I know you're having fun. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. This is a, this is a valuable one. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. The point of that is if, if someone gossips with you, they'll also gossip about you. And that's just kind of a, that's just kind of one of those no-brainer lessons that you learn through life. If somebody gossips with you, they'll gossip about you too. I used to work at, I worked at a packing shed when we were over in Paonia packing fruit. And there were a bunch of people at the table. It was mostly ladies, it was just because of, it's just the way it was. And I was dumping the fruit on the table and it'd go down and they'd sort. And uh, so we were all there and they would talk about different people in the community the whole day. They would gossip about people in the community. Then when one of them went to the bathroom, anyone of them went to the bathroom, they all started talking about the one that wasn't there. When that one would come back, they'd go back to talking about people who weren't there. It was one of the clearest pictures of gossip I've ever seen in my life. And it just, and if that, so if they'll gossip with you, they'll gossip about you. Okay. That's probably, an, I've got, I've got several others. So what's the solution to all this? It's guard the inflow to your heart and be ruthless about cutting off ungodly input. And then listen to your words and gather some friends that will lovingly bust you when, when, when you, as a group, and it happens, it happens to all of us. We'll be talking, we really do a lot of times start out with concern for somebody, but then all of a sudden we're talking about things that we shouldn't be, we really have no need to be talking about at the table or wherever. And when that happens, you know, we should bust each other about it and say, hey, you know what, this is getting out of line. Let's either pray for this person or, or let's talk about something else. And then just remember, I mean, people don't need to know how evil your ex was. People don't need to know how bad your boss is. People don't really need to know your suspicions about your neighbor. There's a lot of stuff that it just feels good for us to say. You know, it gets it out, but we don't need to be saying it. And we're just contributing to the problem. Instead, we need to fill our hearts with the life of God, fill our hearts with good, positive, powerful input, fill our hearts. And, and there are a lot of times today where I just have to look at something. I want to comment on it so badly. And I know by the witness of my spirit, I'm not supposed to do it because I can't think of a way to do it and communicate Christ. And if I'm not going to do that, then I need to keep my fingers shut, my mouth shut. Was this fun or what? I knew it was going to be. I've been praying for you all week. Let's stand up and pray. It's the truth though. Stand up and pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, my prayer is for all of us, Lord, to be growing continually in all of this. This is an issue for every one of us. Probably will be for our whole lives. But Lord, we want to grow. We want to keep moving to where our words are producing life, whether those are prayers, declarations, conversations, whatever they are, Lord, that our words are that they are cooperating with what you, Spirit of God, are doing in our midst, in our own lives, in our families, in our community, in our churches. Lord, that what we want to, we want to cooperate with you by our words. And so, Lord, we do ask, we pray this prayer together this morning. Lord, put a watch, please. Put a guard. Lord, over the input in our lives, please, Holy Spirit, 
nudge us when we're listening to stuff we don't need to listen to. And we make a commitment, anybody who will agree with it today, I make a commitment, I'll turn it off. I will turn it off. I will stop reading it. I will separate myself from it and let you work that out. Also, Lord, we ask you to put that guard over our lips. Let us hear the words that are coming out of us and what they contain so that we can submit those things to you, stop those things, find the roots, and let you remove them from our lives. Lord, you said that the lips of a righteous are like a fountain of life, and that's what we want our words to be. And I just pray over this body in particular, because this is our house, Lord, that this would be a house that is filled with words of life. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I am going to let you go. We'll say this on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. And you guys go out there and be the church this week, okay? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.